That's my avatar fanfiction again. <laughs> it's just like literally open on my computer all the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm such an idiot. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, welcome everybody to the Damsels podcast. This is Liz, your host, and I'm here today with Christine. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You're good. You have a Bloody Mary. I have a Bloody Mary, so things are really good right yes, now. Yes, I have a mimosa. We are actually recording today um, a little outside of the studio. We are at Oakstone Rec Center in Cottage Grove, which is for those who don't grow up in the north in the United States. Um, I didn't know that rec centers were a thing. Uh-huh. Like... I knew that rec centers were a thing, but I didn't know that rec centers with full bar restaurants were a thing. Yes. People come out here. um, It's got a beautiful volleyball uh, court and wonderful outside dining. And the owners and staff are so gracious and wonderful. So this is my shameless plug for Oakstone (laughs) in Cottage Grove, Wisconsin. It is somewhere, uh, something, something, something commerce Parkway, yeah, in, in Cottage Grove, three hundred four Commerce Parkway, because we have, have great specials. Yes, yeah. yes, I dig the specials that they have. Right oh here. my god! Like today, it's what is it? The Mediterranean loaded hash browns or something? Yeah, Ugh, I can't. It's and there's good. beer cheese dip at some point. Today. There's yeah, there's beer cheese dip happening. They have a regular cheese dip, like the Oakstone cheese sauce that they put on uh-huh. a ton of stuff. That's just like so good. I would shamelessly just eat it by the spoon, but. It probably is terrible for me. Probably. But beer cheese dip is like quintessential Wisconsin. Yeah. It's what we have. Well, like Bloody Mary, like brunch and stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff that I'm learning that's like quintessential Wisconsin Mm -hmm. stuff that I never thought was relevant, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like everyone eats cheese. Everyone does. What's what's the? Oh, Quick Trip. Quick Quick Trip trip. is the Wisconsin thing. It's like a Mecca. Yeah. And then everybody like... I was there this morning. Were you? Yeah. Do, do you go to Quick Trip every day? I don't, but there was a time, I think, when my husband and I were moving and we were just off schedules and eating was not like trying to eat, trying to get food in your body was like the only, it didn't matter what it was, where it came from, where I'm pretty sure breakfast and lunch came from Quick Trip every day for five straight days. I mean, that's fine. I've never had their breakfast before. Is it like, do you just get sandwiches? I do, or a muffin or something. But yeah, normally sandwiches. I mean, I, breakfast pizza. I'm a big breakfast pizza person. Get me eggs on. What the fuck is a breakfast pizza? What? Like, does right. it, it, okay. I'm going to have to write this down to be like, things that we need to do with Liz. Does it have, so it has eggs on it though. So yeah, so it's like a pizza It's not crust. like a crust made out of egg or something. No, like. no, 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 okay. no, no, no. It's like okay. a regular crust or like some, um, some places will do like more of a, like French toasty type crust, which I'm not a fan of because it's squishy. That's um, weird, but yeah. they'll put sometimes there's eggs. There's no like a cheese sauce. You can do like loaded, so like you know sausage, bacon. Just Are there kind of, like, like breakfast things on top? But you're not an egg person, so you're not. Yeah, gonna have no, it. I don't eat eggs. For everyone who doesn't know me that listens to this podcast, so the three of you, um, <laughs> I don't eat eggs. My boyfriend doesn't eat eggs. It's more like a miracle that we found each other in this really world is. because, like, just both of us not eating eggs. It's not something that happens. Which is nice, because then we don't ever feel obligated to buy them unless we're baking. Yeah, breakfast pizza sounds interesting. I think they could pull off the French toast crust if they did, like, a pan-style crust. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I'm not a breakfast pizza expert (laughs) yet. 
Um, Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into today's episode. I want to say thank you again to our current Patreon subscribers. As we're recording this, you guys have not hit that cancel button on your Patreon sub yet, which is awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Um, That would be Jesse, Ben, Brian, Heather, Kay, and Nate. You guys are lovely, wonderful people, and we appreciate you so much. Every one of our first 100 Patreon subscribers, which is such a, like, that's such a large goal. That's super unrealistic for the time frame (laughs) that I set it for. Because I was like, oh, yeah, like, our first 100 Patreon subscribers will, like, you know, you guys will get a um, first access to merch. And I'm like, but then our merch is going to drop at the end of this year. We started this podcast in September. Like, I highly doubt we're going to have 100 100 Patreon subscribers Mm -hmm. by then. But whatever. If that happens, I'm not going to be mad about it. 2020 owes us big. Oh, man. All right. So... Today we're touching on kind of our first real person, but also not really. I I think she's like our first person that's actually based off of a real yeah. human. I, yeah, I think she is. Um, so we're covering Catherine from the Hulu series The Great, which is outs- like an, it's outstanding. an outstanding show. Yeah, um, it's so good. And yeah, if you're here to listen to historical facts about Catherine the Great, this is not. This is not. <laughs> this your is podcast. strictly the television version. Um, this is not, and it it admits to being not historically accurate. It's a drama. It's comedy. Um, it's a good. It's a good program. It's a mind fuck. It like is. if there's anything about this show that I've learned, it's that like it is a total mind fuck from start to finish because you see these characters all like on a kaleidoscope of just different crazy emotions and different crazy shit because when we first start off with with Catherine she is this innocent girl who is like we literally see her on a flower swing on a flower swing with her friends in this excessive like beautiful flower garden and it's the weirdest scene and she's basically telling her friend how she is going to go and marry the emperor of Russia and become empress. Mm -hmm. And her reaction, her friend's reaction is like, what the fuck? Like Russia, like the Russia. Russia. (laughs) And for those who don't know, um, Catherine the great was empress. Here's the, here's the part where the historians can tune into Um, Catherine the great was empress of Russia from 1762 to 1796. And she was the longest running female leader of Russia after overthrowing her husband, Peter III. And that is where the historical accuracy ends. Kind of forks. Yeah. yeah. I would say ends. It doesn't end. That's good. That's yeah. it, it forks. I mean, there's certainly concepts here. Um, so my my very first impression, so she talks about being married, and she's all, like, gleeful and excited. Mm-hmm. And, and she, like, is excited to go to Russia, and she shows up at the palace, and she, like, brings him this little twig to yes, like, symbolize the their twig. growing love. And my first thought was, oh, God, like, yeah. she is naive. She is innocent. She's mm-hmm. kind of – my, my first thought was that she was uneducated. Like, this was just how it was. I didn't know any background of her. Right. And I went in the same. I didn't have – I didn't know very much. Yeah. All I knew about Catherine the Great 
was what I think everybody like yeah. it, it knows about Catherine the Great, which we'll we'll get we'll get to. We're not so. gonna no spoilers for for the, <laughs> the first part. For the first part, no spoilers about the the weird facts about or not so facts about Catherine the Great. Just weird, just weird shit. I got the exact same impression, and Elle Fanning like is, I mean, just She's an incredible stunning. actress. Nicholas Holt is out of control as Peter. Oh he my does god, a phenomenal job. I've. I love Nicholas Holt and I hate Peter. Yeah. Like I how he, he manages to do that is that he's a fabulous job. Right. And like so taking Elle Fanning and I'm just looking up right now because I'm trying to make sure that yes, okay. I was trying to make sure I was right that she was the one who started the Neon Demon. Yes. Which is a horror psychological kind of thriller movie. And her acting skills are just like They really are. Oh my god. They're just stupendous in both the Great and Neon Demon. And it's kind of funny because they're such drastically different pieces of, of art that, like, it's kind of weird Brilliant. to compare them, but they mm-hmm. kind of do compare a little bit because a lot of what the Neon Demon is about is, you know, the naivety and the innocence lost of of women going into the world of modeling and, mm-hmm. and fashion. Yep. And this is kind of an innocence lost of her going into Russia. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And I think that she, like, one of the first things, so, like, he, they establish some pretty classic gender roles or pretty classic, like, old school gender roles, I guess I would say, where she is innocent, she is beautiful, she is here to be married because she, essentially, her father made an arrangement for her. Right. And here's Peter, who jokes with her in the beginning when they first meet, Mm -hmm. jokes that she's not as tall as her portrait. But then, like, after he meets her, is kind of like, all right, well, i got to get back to my whores. And he adjusts it to horses. But you get this distinct impression that he's this leader, this fighter, this guy who's in charge of things. And so he fights. They put him in the position of he is um, in control. He's in a position of power. And he uses it to basically have sex. He's getting married. He doesn't care. Like, the institution of marriage for him is just, you know, is not um, to be regarded. Whereas she is very into it the whole thing mm-hmm. um shortly after that in a very disturbing what i was found very disturbing she is taken to like the the chambers and whatever and the archbishop was a prominent member of the court in russia at that time the archbishop of the church um has to verify her virginity oh yeah and sticks two fingers in his mouth to like you know get them wet to check and i was like Yeah. And she also was like, what are you talking about? That scene is so gross. Yeah. Like, like they don't really show any part of it, but it's definitely implied. And I I think, like, I mean, she's shocked by it, too. She's not, I don't think this has occurred to her. Right. Like, I don't, like, I think that she's just like, oh, like, I'm this petite, innocent virgin. And they'll just take that at face value and everything will be fine. (laughs) And then she's, like, coming to the realization of what that actually means. It's almost like one of those things where you have this, like, innocent female character who's, like, figuring out what sex is for the first time. And that's, that does play into it, too, is, is, so in the first introduction of Catherine to the rest of the Russian court and the court plays a huge part in all of this. Peter does this great speech. He gives her gifts her with a bear and then she gets she stands up to say thank you, introduce herself, kind of say, oh, and he's like, no, no, you don't speak. Yes, he literally says, no, no, you don't don't speak. speak. And she was like, of course not. She sits back down. I think that her innocence is something that 
they played out really well in the show because they don't overplay it as like, mm-hmm. like they don't turn it into a trope, Mm-mm. which I love because we just really see this like innocence of her in the beginning. We don't really see very much of it coming later and everything else that comes after that. It's just like not willful ignorance, but it's just like, she's just ignorant of how things work. Mm-hmm. She's not innocent to it. No, but I, I think that, I think that she was totally naive to, you know, what she was going to be coming into initially. So I think that that was where they, they broke that apart. And over the course of pretty much just the first two, I would say the first two episodes, two episodes they kind of put her in a new position. And yeah. I think one of the things that I thought was interesting is like, as we go on. So at one point, her lady in waiting, who was Marisol, Marisol, Mariel, Muriel, excuse me, who is Muriel. Um, Muriel, who is maybe my favorite character in this entire situation. But Muriel's like, do you know what's going to go on tonight? And she gives out this highly romanticized mm. version of what she thinks consummating her marriage with the emperor is going to be. Um, and she's very shocked when it does not go down that way, when he's actually very flippant to it. He gets it done more because it's necessity mm-hmm. and he needs an heir uh, and, like, leaves. What you find out by the end of the episode, I think to me that I realize is that it's exactly like you said. She's not, she's innocent to the ways kind of of the world. Mm-hmm. She is not in, unintelligent. Um, right. Oh, God. One no. of the first things that kind of throws her is she kind of meets with the ladies of the court and she's kind of asking them, like, what are you reading? Like, yeah. what's going on? Mm-hmm. And they were like, what do you mean? None of us read. Yeah, none of us and she's can like, read. none of you read. Yeah. Yeah, she said, none of us can read. Right. And she um, loves, like, Voltaire. Yeah. And yeah, she's so she's she, very intelligent. Yeah. And so <laughs> she reads and, and is excited to bring all this. And so she asks Peter if she can build a school. There's like an outdoor house here. Can, mm-hmm. I, can I build a little schoolhouse and teach people to read? And he's like, whatever, I don't care what you do. Just give me an air. Yeah. And then it comes around that he, she actually wants to teach women to read. And not just the royal women. Not just the royal women. But all, all women. women. And he burns it down. He burns down the fucking school. So I thought that that was a very interesting kind of examination of his character at the very like from the get-go because you can tell like he's very dismissive of people when they either aren't giving him what he wants or when they're just doing like their yolo and living their life like but if it's a character if it's a person who he stands to lose something from he is very in tuned with them and i think peter is such an interesting character because i even have a hard time reading him and have a hard time kind of predicting what he's going to do next. And that especially goes like later on in in the season finale. Mm -hmm. But in this first episode, you know, like you don't expect him to just turn around and burn the school down and then be so flippant about it. That's exactly the word I was going to use. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, he's like, not what we do. Right. Like he's not even trying to educate her on the way that things are there. He's just blatantly like, okay, well, if you're doing things wrong, I'm just going to go ahead and hurt you to make you understand how we do things. And that is like, he gets like an education from pain kind of, you know, view from me. He does. We find out at the end of episode one, which I thought was really interesting, that women can rule in Russia. Yes. Someone plants the idea in Catherine's head. Mariel is the... Mariel. Yep. Plants this idea in Catherine's head that should the emperor die, you rule, which yes. I find so fascinating for a country that, or at least Peter, where the women don't read, don't know how to read. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think a lot of people there don't know how to read, but specifically the women, even of court, don't know how to read. But they can rule. 
mm-hmm. um, I thought was a very interesting position of power. And I don't know, you know, if that comes from they're not going to last very long or like they'll take a husband at some point or something, depending on what it is. But yeah, she, the, the idea gets planted at the end of episode one that she could rule if the emperor takes a digger. And it's it's funny because she's coming from, what well, she was coming from Austria, right? Or... She is coming from Prussia, Prussia, okay. which is now modern day Poland. But yeah, that right. whole like like Poland, Germany, that was all. Yeah, all taken. Yeah, all kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting how like she immediately gets into this. I am here to take a husband and rule, mm-hmm. but. In the beginning, like when we see her and she's so innocent and she's like, I am going to marry Peter. Yes, that's going to happen. But that's also not what I'm here for. Yeah. She's here to become a ruler. And I think that it's so interesting because when she's telling her friend that, she's like painting this beautiful picture of her, you know, married with this love. And she's, I guess, realizing over the course of the first episode that like, if I can't have the love, I'm going to rule. Like, I'm still going to make things better for this country because I can. Mm-hmm. I can do that. So I thought that was a pretty interesting character dynamic for her because, you know, again, it, it really divorces from that sweet, naive, innocent Catherine that we see in the beginning yes. to this woman who is now considering a coup in yeah. a country that she doesn't know very much about. Not only that, but she is... So in this in the show, I don't know if they distinctly set an age for her, but apparently when she meets Peter in real life, in actual history, she's only 10 years old. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, and he's also not emperor at that point no, either. No, he's not. So, but in the show, he is emperor, emperor. which is... You know, a little, again, they they fork from reality. Yes. Episode two. Yes. Is when she really starts to show her, this idea of a coup starts to build in her head. Mm-hmm. And she really starts to show her actual intelligence, what she's aiming for, what she wants to do. And you hear a lot about education, science, and culture. Yes. In the beginning, I believe she sets like a three, like a three point thing. Her primary goal, she makes a list. Yes. And her her goals are to make Peter, make love, Peter her, love her, find culture, find and, culture education and education in her new home. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can't remember if this was episode one or episode two, but he, Peter essentially, she gets upset, runs off. I think this was episode one. He essentially gut punches her at one point. Kind mm-hmm. of like, a, this is just how it is. And you're going to deal with it. In the library. In yes. the library. And instead of, you know, taking kind of the meek, quiet woman approach to that, that's when she really kind of turns on this idea that, okay, like, I have to play a role here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting in some of the um, reviewing that I did to remember, like, what happened per episode. Um, there was an article on Vulture where they said that episode two, um, Catherine has a Sansa Stark-like show of acceptance and peace. Oh, my God. I think I have that exact same <laughs> note in here. And I we've done Sansa Stark. Um we have on this program and on this podcast and i thought that's a great a great way to do it she is not a great fighter she is not a great um at this point as a woman she can't necessarily like recruit everybody behind her but she's got a sharp bright mind and she's going to use it to her advantage right i i I stole a quote from the that article from vulture on the first episode 
uh, where it says we see Catherine, the eventually great, go from misplaced Anne of Green Gables optimism to the steely power of a bring me the unreleased Harry Potter Miranda Presley. Very nice. Yes, and I thought that that was, sorry, Miranda Priestley. And I thought that that was very, like, on tone. Yes. I I see a lot of, con- or a lot of comparisons between Catherine the Great and the Great. Yes, Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Like, she... I think has the same kind of optimism about what a husband is going to be for her in the beginning. Um, Sansa, you know, is wanting to marry a prince and make little princes and princesses. Um, But Catherine very, very quickly goes from that to, again, I'm going to stage a coup in a foreign country that I know very little about. And it's going to be better for everyone. Like it's for the betterment. It's not even for my leadership. It's not for power. It's It's for, because I'm going to bring these amazing ideas and thoughts and make it a better Russia. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, she has progressive ideas that she wants to bring in from like France and from, you know, other areas in that time that actually were somewhat progressive. And the ironic thing is that, and I like I feel bad because we told the history buffs to go away five minutes into the episode. <laughs> but I like there is actual progressive ideas that were going on during the time that were mm-hmm. implemented by Peter. He actually was for education yeah. and I I couldn't really I did some very, very quick research on, you know, why she overthrew him, but I couldn't really find like a reason why. I don't know. I just maybe, and I, again, very shallow, quick research, but... Yeah, I don't know the actual... And also, people don't know what happened to him. Like, they don't know... Correct. They don't know if she just straight up killed him. He just kind of disappeared and then never came back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah, the second second episode, again, is just... It's really more of a continuing this, okay, I see what I have to do, I see what I have to do, this coup idea builds. Mm Mm-hmm. She puts on this kind of fake smile for Peter, which also keeps her safe. Yes. Because the longer that she doesn't produce an heir, she knows that she could get thrown by the wayside. Right. And actually, But it's like a balancing act because, like, as she goes, she goes long enough to, you know, into producing the heir that she doesn't get thrown, thrown off to the side. But she also knows that, like, if she produces one too quickly, then she's going to have other responsibilities that she has to tend to. And also that her child may not be safe if she stages a coup true so episode three is one i episode three is a really interesting um the reason that i love episode three is first of all episode three is where leo comes in right yeah so peter gifts 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 Catherine with a lover because apparently that's what you do the whole Um, time by the way i guess we should like mention that like Peter is, he has mistresses and whores. One of his mistresses is Georgina. Georgina. Divama or Dimava or something. Something of that. Something like, something Russian, Russian name. And she's also married. She's married to basically his best friend. Right. They are both, they are like all childhood friends. Yeah. And he kind of sleeps with her at will. And Mm -hmm. his best friend is very aware of it. And not super happy with it. it. Yeah. And she is also enthusiastic in the in the sleeping with Peter. Yeah, she's into it. She and whether that's just because of the actual act of sex that she enjoys, or because it's it's her emperor and she feels special. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a tie of the two. But she does not like Catherine. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the ladies at court like Catherine. She's very weird to them. I like this episode because I remember watching it with my husband, and I was like, "This is." I called it women war games. Oh, yeah. It's where they start this underhanded kind of spiting of each other. 
And one of the things that happens is Catherine tries to use her influence to, like, she brings some a dressmaker in and says, oh, look at that beautiful fabric. And the girl gets a dress made out of it. It turns out that that dress material is the same thing that's being built, being used for the tent. Yeah. So when she comes in, she basically matches the tent, which is a, like, a huge faux pas. Yes. And it's what I, I termed, I wrote down women war games where we mentally play games with each other. And she is no exception to kind of that low level I think we've all done, it's all been done to us as women, um, where someone just plays some sort of low trick mind game. It's a, it's like a multifaceted kind of mind game too, because yeah. like, not only is it like a fashion faux pas, but I think that the message that Catherine was trying to get across to her is, don't fuck with me, I will make you invisible. Yeah. Like, yep. she essentially with this dress, she like blends into the she tent. Really does. I, it's actually kind of a really hilarious scene. The dress I like. I think the dress is very pretty. I didn't think pretty. the dress was terrible either. In but fact, it's, it's not, I didn't even yeah. notice the matching, matching. I was like, oh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's the exact same material as the tent. And I think that that was a really kind of shady, underhanded thing that she did. But I also, like, 100% have respect for it. It's such a, like, you have to dig through the layers of that insult oh, yeah. to figure it out. Um, I went and, and that just is that's why it's one of my favorite episodes is I was like this is what it's like is that the one that they start the rumor about the horse or is that that the is the one I believe where they start the rumor about the horse so Catherine the Great what a lot of people know her for is there is a rumor and it has never been confirmed and I'm just going to come out and say it that she died while fucking a horse yep. and that's always how I've heard it yep um, me too and so in the show the court of women they actually are the ones who start this rumor just to kind of spite her and one of the girls that at a, at a point actually is like well no good christian will believe it <laughs> and it's like but they all believe it right and she well and i don't know if it's that they actually believe it i think that some of them are stupid enough to believe it but Absolutely. i think that they just don't want her to be happy like they want absolutely yeah they She's legit outsider they've had a lot of attention from the emperor up until now yeah yeah even have. if he isn't interested in her as a wife it's still t taking he still duties and does right. things with her and she's yeah. up front and living the life of an empress now she wants it or not one part that we didn't touch on in the first episode mm -hmm. is when peter shows her that because she's trying to run away this is before she finds out that she can take the throne mm. so before she realizes that she can take the throne she tries to run away and there's this very um dramatic thing where she talks to someone who does she does she ask archie maybe that was her mistake about the trunk like hiding in the um, trunk who gives her the idea I don't know. I can't remember. I want to say it was somebody who was actually, like, on Peter's on side. On Peter's side. Yeah. So she hides in a trunk and is put into a carriage and, you know, is supposed to be taken off mm -hmm. to home in Austria. Or Prussia, sorry. She gets taken to a lake. And, and they, they sit in the lake. Yes. They start lowering her into the lake. And letting the trunk fill up with water. And, I mean, she's terrified. And Peter is standing there watching it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so they finally bring her back up. And Peter basically is just like, I can do anything I want to you. Yeah. I can do anything I want to you whenever I want to. Don't fuck with me. And don't fuck with my power. So I thought that that was a really, like, interesting kind of turn. Because we see at first that... 
Peter is almost like a bimbo. Like, he's so... He is. He's very influential, as we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not super, like, intelligent. He's no. not book smart. No. I don't think he really even has street smarts either. But I think that he is very um, intuitive. Like, he he knows how to he gauge a situation. It. Yeah. But he also has fed some things, you know. He's, he's, he's fed... Um, ideas and concepts from his friends and so you realize how I guess I shouldn't say that he's influential he's easily influenced yeah he at some point you see early on he bans beards for men under 50 yeah and a man comes in and has what he feels good reason to have a beard and his friend leans over and he said you know having that beard is kind of like a fuck off to mm-hmm. the emperor and then he is like oh it is it is it's a problem so he he's easily influenced I think that's one thing that makes him very hard to read for yeah. Catherine because she is very good at gauging people. Like, she's very good at, like, working out who is going to be a good ally for her and who's not. Mm-hmm. I think she struggles with how to read Peter just because of the fact that, like, he is so manipulated. Around, like, a, he's so manipulated by the people who are around yeah. him. And she has to basically, in, in order to gauge him, gauge the decisions of, like, the 20 people that he could have talked to. Yeah. And try to get, you know, they each feed him something different. What's he going to grab onto? Right, exactly. Um, for episode four, you'll note here, I just wrote sex. Oh, yeah. I'm not totally sure what I was thinking when I was doing it, but my guess is you see Catherine enjoying sex with Leo. Yes. And enjoying her sexual her sexuality for finding it, you know, as an innocent girl, finding her sexuality, enjoying it. Right. Basically having a lover that she enjoys, not only spending time with, but actually the act of sex, mm-hmm. which... Again, we've talked about in previous episodes, and and you and I have talked about like it's it's a women aren't supposed to we're never believed to enjoy sex, mm-hmm. and so when you see it, it's it's supposed to be kind of like oh man, she she likes um, to have sex, she likes her partner, and so she finally kind of is she's falling for this lover gift, and she's enjoying herself. You know, she's right? Got, she's building this life around her that doesn't necessarily include Peter. Mariel has become a good confidant. She's pulled in one of the, um, I don't know what you, Orlo. Orlo, yes. He's a, he's a member of the chamber yeah, or he's, something. Yeah, he, you know, he's a, a higher political figure. Yeah, he's a count. That's what it is. He's yeah, a count. He's a and, count. He, and he's got a role in the court, and, and um, he's present for things where they make decisions and stuff like that. Yes. And so she's kind of pulled him into the coup. He actually came in because he was trying to convince Peter that, like, banning all these beards and stuff like that's a really kind of that's infringing on people's rights like that's infringing on people's basically their right to choose whether or not to have a beard orlo is actually a pretty progressive character he's not the most progressive on the show but i mean he's pretty progressive in the sense that he wants russia to go in a more progressive direction Mm -hmm. and so when he sees that peter is actively like just trying to control things and just trying to be an emperor he basically is like well i don't want you to like i don't think you should make him shave his beard to you know his friend who had the good reason the good reason i think was that it was like pus and boils yeah, and he, stuff all he, under the beard his beard covers like scars and boils and pus and his wife has never seen him without it yes yeah um, and so he's worried that like yeah shake up the marriage if she if he is seen in his without his beard right yeah. um and so in the end peter actually makes orlo shave his beard mm-hmm. for him yeah which i thought was 
at first I thought he made Orlo kill him. So did I, because there's blood all over Yes, him. yeah. He's just, he's just a crappy barber. Yeah, he's just a really bad barber. Which, again, that's, like, one of the funny, mm-hmm. like, gotcha moments in the show, which there are quite a few gotcha moments yeah. in the show. But, you know, Orlo shows up to, to Catherine and is covered in blood. And, I mean, it's just splattered all over him. And he, it's insinuated that he just killed this person. Yeah. But, it, again, you know, it turns out that he's just a really shitty barber. So, so episode five mm-hmm. is when Catherine um, and uh, Peter's Aunt Elizabeth, I believe, decide <sighs> to go see the men uh, in the battlefield. Aunt Elizabeth is... Aunt my- Elizabeth is probably an episode under herself. Oh my god, yeah. Russia is currently at war with Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so, and Russia is not doing well. Kind of, they go out to sea. She wants to know what's going on, how this all works. She brings a giant container of macaroons. And again, it's her innocence on what she's going to find out there. It's, I think she expects, you know, what she's read about, like battalion and men all together and thank you so much. And oh, it's so great. And they, they love the macaroons, no doubt. Especially when she has to feed it to them because they've, like, lost their arms or their hands. Yeah. Um, But it smells. It's dirty. Men are Mm -hmm. dying. Men, there's dead bodies. And she's really taken aback by the reality of what is happening out there and that Russian soldiers are dying. And, yeah, she was taken aback by that, which I thought was another really good point of her, again, innocence in reality. Mm -hmm. But, again, not innocence in education-wise and things like that. So this is um, the episode where Peter gets poisoned. Yes. And he's poisoned by his friend Grigor because he's done with him having sex with his wife, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier. It's looking pretty looking pretty grim for Peter. It's, it's very bleak, yes. And so Catherine takes this as an opportunity to... Like this is this is it. It's happening. He's gonna die. This is what I've. This is the best idea. This is the best thing that could happen to me because now it's not even a coup at this point. Like right. I really had nothing to do with it. Yeah, she's, she's like I die. didn't do this. She's like this is like dream world. Yes. And so she gets up there and she is going to speak to the court. Catherine has to go up and she goes in front of the court and kind of the and starts to give this speech. And she starts talking about education and science and art and culture and all these things that are going to come. Now that she is going to be, you know, empress. Oh, how terrible. And they all kind of laugh at her. Yeah. Because they're like, well, we're still a country at war. Like, where is this? The the realistic realities. Again, the realities of the situation are lost upon her until this mm-hmm. moment that there is more to running a country than education and art and science. Right. They're, they're talking to her about war ideas and she's lost and... They kind of laugh at her as you clearly aren't fit to run a country because mm-hmm. you don't know the full logistics. And I think she's she's really taken aback by it. She's really frustrated by it. Right. But never fear. Suddenly, Peter feels great. Yeah. He back. He back. He back. She's learned a valuable lesson. And she is now playing the role, again, of very smiley, very happy, whatever you want. But Peter's brush with Beth has... Changed him, he feels. Mm-hmm. He um, he feels like he's everything looks brighter. The world is so much, you know, more exciting to him suddenly. 
Um, he starts to have a different perspective on everything. And Catherine is smart enough to use that to her advantage. Yes. She starts plugging those ideas into his head. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's a printing press involved. Yes, I have that. Um, that's further on, though. Yeah, this is the next episode. Don't worry, I have that written down. <laughs> She's plugging these ideas. What about science? What about art? What about asking people how they feel? Yeah. What about an anonymous suggestion box? Oh, which God, I the believe comes up box. later and opens up and it just says, like, get fucked. Yes. Like, yeah, basically, like, get, are, fucked, fuck you. get fucked, fuck yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like a, somebody drew a picture of him fucking a donkey, and then yes. somebody drew a picture of a donkey fucking him. Yeah, like. yeah, and um, they're like the donkey is Russia or something along yeah, those lines. And he was like, he was Russia. like, oh, it's but it's funny. And so he decides, like through through Catherine, he's like, you know what, this is great. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna bring science and art to our little place here. Um, our little place, our giant castle, and it's gonna be great. And the archbishop is like, she is putting ideas in your head. She is putting idea, and he's like, "No, this is great." So they hang art on the walls. Mm-hmm. the The kind of funny joke that they get is that he is actually so moved by a painting, he starts to cry. Yes, and yeah. Catherine's like, "This is it. He's changing. Like, I wouldn't even have to do the coup. Like, we're just yes. gonna live a happy life together. He's yeah. really tuned to her. Like, everything's going well." He brings an art and science, like, or a science, like, demo. Oh, like a fair. Almost. Like a like fair, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Yes. And it's, like, it's like a little child being electrocuted to show how electric current runs through yes. the body. Yes, And it's... It's the most macabre version yes. of, like, a science fair yeah. that you can ever... Like, yeah, people, it's hilarious. People are getting hurt yeah. through it for, in the quote-unquote name of science. And right. And she's very um, bothered by it, but she, like, smiles and... Yeah. Yeah. It's a very medieval version. Honestly, like, I feel like it's not not clearly, like, accurate, but I feel like it would kind of be close, like, it to a medieval kind of macabre close. version of, like, a real science fair. Yeah. People were getting smashed somehow. Something was happening to smash limbs of people. Yeah, and they were, I think they were showing, like, how they break, or they had, like, dead bodies they were opening up to show yeah. um, anatomy. I don't, it was just, yeah, it was a very, you were exactly on point. It's yes. a very macabre. This is not what she had in mind. She's like, but it's a it's a positive direction. Yes, and he's very excited to show her that he's brought this to the yes. castle. He's super excited to be like, look at all the look at you you have influenced me and look at what I've done. And she's like, not what I wanted. Um, and this is an episode where um, he he actually inquires on how a parachute works. Oh yes, yes, this is. And so the they're going to do they're going to do this demonstration of how a parachute works off the like front balcony. So the whole you know castle has has gathered outside. Well, what he decides to strap to a parachute is a little dog, a little puppy, a little puppy. It's so cute. Um, and so he straps it, and thankfully it works. Yeah, the concept of the parachute yeah. works. And he was like, this is great. It's one of those, like, oh, God, this is, oh, God, they're going to mm-hmm. show a dead puppy. Like, that's yeah. that was my thoughts. And then all of a sudden, they, you see this adorable dog just floating gracefully down. down. I'm like, oh, thank God, thank God. So for episode seven, this is a 10-episode. Um, like mini-series. Mini-series that yes. has been renewed, yes. as we discussed, but we'll see where that ends up. Yeah. And where Catherine stands by the end of this. But for episode seven, I wrote down 2020 science, vaccinations and printing presses. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so one of the big things here is that they discover that in the serfs housing unit or kind of their their servants, I suppose you could say, there's a breakout of smallpox. This means that they quarant- like they they burn everybody. They ki- like in the past, Peter makes it sounds like in past issues for this, they have literally gone through and just killed all the all the serfs. Yes. Burned them all. 
and then when it's clear, they basically start over and bring new people in. Mm -hmm. um, and she has grown fond of some of the serfs. In fact, technically, Muriel is a serf, though we do find out. Side note, she once was a woman of position. Yeah, she once was like a lady of she the court. She once was a lady of the court, and then she was, um, because of actions her father did, it was all stripped away. So there's some classism in here, no doubt. So she's become very close to some people, and she doesn't want to see them all get killed mm -hmm. and, and burned just because they may have been exposed. And she is aware that there is this modern-day term, where you use the modern-day term of vaccination out there. Mm -hmm. You basically inoculate yourself with a small mm -hmm. amount, and you do this. And she brings it to Peter, like, we, we could potentially save a ton of lives here, look at the science and stuff, and mm -hmm. the archbishop is like, nope, nope, God will will this, God will make it what it is, this mm -hmm. is what we do. And, and so there's kind of this ensuing battle as she um, goes out to the smallpox and, and sees that her uh, close friend there has died. Yes. Uh, and they actually, it was very sweet. They actually quarantined him. Well, it's not sweet in the sense that they quarantined him in a wardrobe. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that he wouldn't be taken. To right. Be they tried to, they tried yeah. to save him, essentially. And Mariel, this whole time, like, she's kind of close to this servant. I think it's, I want to say his name is Wally, but I don't think so. No, I can't remember. Neither can I. I don't know He's why that name sweet. popped into my head. We're going to call him Wally right All now. All right. So Mariel and Wally are kind of close. Like, he's this younger servant, and he's so kind and, and very sweet. She actually kisses him. Like, he's they a, actually, like, he's they're a virgin. Gonna, like, they're, she's, yeah, he's a virgin, and he kind of insinuates that he's curious about sex, and she's like, we can do it. You know, I, sure. Um, and she is almost that matter of fact is, about yeah, it. She she's is. Like, she's like, we like, can right, do it. Cool. Sure, why not? Why not? And it's when he takes his shirt off, she sees the pockmarks on his back. Yes, Otherwise, and her mother died of Pox. Yes, so she's very aware of what this is. You just look so panicked when the lights like. I thought off. I thought we lost recording like everything oh, for a no. second. Sorry, I was like, <laughs> yeah. and you just kept talking, and I was like, Elizabeth, <sighs> it's over. <laughs> everything is going bad. No, like uh, it's 2020. No, we lost electricity. We have to live by the sun. The lights in here. Oh, oh look yeah, at that. There we go. Now they're back on. I just I had to stand know. up. <laughs> Leave it in. Okay. But Mariel's mother died of yeah. the same pox. Yeah, and, so she knows where this is headed. Yeah, and it was, like, a really terrible death. And she's, she at this point, I think, knows what's going to happen. She's also panicked because she has just kissed him. Yeah. And so she doesn't know, like, like she doesn't know what's going to happen. She doesn't want to catch it. It's a very sad episode, honestly. And it, it's, again, like, here we have her... Again, with Peter. So he is like, no, this is nuts. Like, the archbishop is like, yeah. no, she's putting ideas in your head. Um, she tries to stand up and, like, in front of a crowd. And she does it. Yeah, she, like, inoculates herself. She literally, yeah. like, slices a piece of her hand open and yeah. puts, like, some of the the pus, pus from smallpox into her hand. And so, again, I don't know if you know this. And, again, history buffs, welcome back. She actually, in real life, Catherine the Great was inoculated to smallpox. She was? Yes, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was That's inoculated amazing. to smallpox. Peter still burns. Yes. Just about everything. There is this beautiful, and that's one thing I love about this show, too, is the cinematography on the show yeah. is so brilliant. It's honestly up there for me with, like, the show Dark on Netflix because you see so many things reflected in this show in the way that it's shot. And there is this scene at the end of this episode where she is alone mm -hmm. in a hallway, and she is in her, in her nightgown, and we see this woman alone. For some reason to me, and I I kind of doubt that this was how they wanted it perceived, but she looks so powerful to me. I see it almost 
the the opposite way of what I think they intended, which was to see her powerless, because she walks to the window and in the in the horizon of the sunrise, she can see the burning of the where they're from where they're burning. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. yes, and she is just. I think in that moment, this like steely sort of reserve set in, and she is now seeing people. It, it, people that she cares about too being hurt by this and she is like as much as she has been before you know very adamant about making this change and making this work i think now she's just like okay this is fucking this is fucking bullshit i agree I think that was a point where she was like, no more, like, the coup is going to happen. There's no other way to make this happen. We thought we could change him or he seemed to be on that path. And it's not. This coup has to go down. And she, like, has to break the news to Mariel about Wally or whatever his Mm -hmm. name is. And I feel so bad. I'm just saying, like, this this poor dead kid. Yeah. So she has to break the news to Mariel, who is, like, distraught about it. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, for good reason. So I just think that it's such a well-crafted kind of episode, especially the ending was very, very set it in mind. Yeah. You kind of knew where things were headed. She was clearly um, ready to just take it all on. Right. Do whatever it took to get there now. Before, things were still iffy, like, oh, but, you know, we have to, we haven't, this coup was a great idea and we have general plot lines for it, but we don't know how we're fully going to act upon it. Yes. And now she realizes there are people, more people she needs to get involved. Yeah. In different positions throughout court and throughout, um, the political game and now she's ready to roll right because we find out in the next episode they need velamentov who is the like he's like one of the head war generals like yes he's a general thank you um general velamentov is key to swaying the military yep swaying the military so that they will defend her versus peter Mm -hmm. and here's the big like throwback to like classic gender roles, Mariel tells Catherine to sleep with him. Yes, and he's attracted to her. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like weird pedophile. He's like weird, like I'll just take my pants off in front of you. Yes. He's he's like the Harvey Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein. except he's not actually sexually assaulted her yet. He's usually drunk, too. Yeah, he's also very, very drunk for the majority of the show. But he, like, the the way to get him a, a part of this is, we'll just go sleep with him. You can just pull him right in and yeah. Catherine's like absolutely not I think she would go there like I think I th- that I think she's, she's gonna look for another way first she's willing but she I think she can use the seduction to a point where she doesn't have to sleep with them like she seduces them so mentally and so emotionally well yeah that she doesn't actually have to fuck them because she mind fucks them yes. like and it goes to the point where she and Mariel actually construct on her skin a birthmark oh, yeah. in the shape of, of Russia, Russia, and it's on her, like, upper thigh. On the inside of you her know, upper like, thigh. Yeah, and, I mean, you're, you're choosing where to, like, you know, construct this little birthmark, and she, she puts it on her upper thigh, and she knows, I mean, she knows how Velamentov is, like, mm-hmm. grossly, like, there's a, sort, there's a point where... You know, he is, like, on top of her at, at yeah. some point in the show. I can't remember if it was this episode or another. But, like, he somehow ends up on top of her and is trying to, like, kiss her. And it's uh, it's very creepy, Grandpa. So she, she puts her leg up on this chair. Yeah. And she hoists her skirt up. And she's like, 
look at this birthmark. Do you it think just, of a map? It just showed up. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> think of a think map. Think of a map. And then he's like not getting it. She grabs his head and pushes it yes. down. Look at it. And she's like, just look closely. <laughs> and he, finally he's like, oh, it's Russia. And she like is trying to convince him at that point. Like I was born to leave yep. Russia. Yeah. In the end, I think, so Velimentov, again, he has this, like, physical infatuation with her. But I think it almost turns to a more endearing sort of, like, yeah. he he actually falls in love with her brain, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he thinks that she, he, like, in the end, I think he sees her as someone to be respected and not someone to be yes. violated. Because they, she gets into, so now that, now that we have, you know, pieced out this war between Sweden and Russia... They're headed home, but Catherine is in the carriage with Velimentov, mm-hmm. not with Peter. And she gets in that carriage, and she starts kind of bringing up the topic gently. And he kind of like, ah, I don't know, whatever. And then she kind of shouts at him. She kind of throws him in his place and says, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it will get done whether you're part of it or not. Kind of threatens him sort of way. And he is like, okay, I'm for it. And I think, but didn't she, so didn't she bring it up to Velimentov before? Because there was yes. a whole panic thing yes. where she brought it up to him and he was like, absolutely no way. Like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. They were all panicking because they're like, oh God, we told him and now he's not on our side and we're all going to fucking die. Yep. In the end, he ends up coming around because he sees, it's almost like how he saw she, her. He saw her play the war game, so yeah. to speak. And yep. in there and get done, he was like, huh. He's like, this, she could do it. She could do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look at where she's come. Like in the beginning, maybe so much, but I, I underestimated her. I didn't think now she's, look at her running a country. Look at her manipulating and turning stuff and winning situations the best she can in her current position. When you play the Game of Thrones, you, you either win or you, you die. die. Yeah. Touched by the wheel of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, again, it's it's again that kind of comparison to Sansa. Like, she is, I, you know, and honestly, until I read that article on Vulture, thank you, Vulture, you guys are great. Amazing. Um, I would not have even thought to compare her to Sansa. I, sus- I subscribed to Vulture after reading. Did you really? Yeah. I was thinking I about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to run out of articles for the month. And I was Vulture, like, oh, I'm gonna- can we get a sponsorship? Vulture. Can we get a sponsorship? Uh, I was like, yeah, no, no, we need to, I need more of this in my life. Like, this is good stuff. It makes me happy. We're getting down to the last two episodes, so you know something's got to happen. So Orlo and, was it Velimentov, went out to try to convince somebody? Yes. And someone. And someone, it, it didn't go well. <laughs> it they, went so off the fucking rails. <laughs> it might have well. Might the person was like, absolutely not. And it looks like they're about to run and scream. They're doing yes. it too. So they kill him. Yeah. They, they like very brick him over the they head. They him over the head. Yeah. a great way to put it. And then they bolt. Yeah. So what they didn't do is hide the body. Yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't even try. So then the body gets found. Yes. And Aunt Elizabeth, I, I, I love her and I hate her, but I think I love her more, is like, Peter, somebody's starting a coup. Like, this is a political move. Like, people are trying to get to you. This is a, a political, they're killing people close to you, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And so now Peter is on this. He, rampage. He, rampage of who did this. Who yes. in his group of you know who can he not trust? Who, yeah so he puts extra detail on Catherine to protect her and then because no one comes forward and no one talks about it he starts this torture game where set up in like what looks like a great room to me in the yeah show. it's very organized it's very organized there's people having their fingernails pulled out there's people walking around like chained in a circle and people are dropping bricks 
from yes, the on their heads. Yes, on, to see yeah. if they get hit. Um, what else is there? There's a. Um, oh, they're God. basically waterboarding. Yeah, there's waterboarding. there's waterboarding. I'm pretty sure there's like hot coals. Hot or coals. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's pretty. It's pretty nasty. Like it's some it's pretty, pretty brutal rough. torture stuff. And he's putting everybody through it, including yeah. we see Leo go through it. I yes, believe. Yes. Yeah. Her um, Catherine's lover is still. And they're all very worried about, like, the people who are involved in the coup. They're like, okay, well, which one of us is going to break? Yeah. Yeah. And Catherine decides that in order to cover her own butt and the people around her, she says, well, I need to be tortured and tested. Yes. Because everyone's kind of looking at her, and she's realizing that she's, they're looking at her as, like, why don't you have to go through this? Right. You technically are an outsider if we, you know, get down to brass tacks. Right. So she goes up there and gets fingernails pulled yeah and walks in the circle with the bricks coming from the ceiling and basically puts herself out there not only for you know in her own protection in a way but to protect those around her from Mm -hmm. the situation because they could they could get killed just for even insinuating that they maybe knew something you know it's a it's a huge protection game for her she also earns some respect up to this point the court is at, at, at this point, I should say, the court is not really feeling Peter because he's torturing everybody. Right. Nobody is exempt. I think they even put the archbishop through it. Yeah, they did. Well, she calls, Catherine calls on the archbishop. Yeah. And says, you need to do it too. And he doesn't break or do any sort of like upsetting thing that she He likes it. That, isn't, that, isn't he into yeah, it? Yeah, maybe, maybe he's into it. I think he's into it. The archbishop is not in on this at this point. And, and, and they've talked about trying like what to do with him because he's so... And Mariel is very close to him, Mariel's too. Mar- is, he's, Mar- he's her uncle, I think. Yeah. He like took her in and raised her when her parents... When her mom died and her parents or her dad got... Something. Demoted. Yeah. But so she undergoes this entire, you know, torture thing and, and to show and to confirm that she's not a part of it. And at the end of the episode, they're all, they're having this big court dinner and everybody just looks like they've been through the, oh, through yeah. the ringer because it's they It's very have. funny because like they, they have those court dinners a couple times mm-hmm. throughout the show. One of them at a certain point, like they're all eating next to the severed heads of yes. Swedish military. military. And every time they drink... They throw the they throw the glass down and smash it. Huzzah! (laughs) Which I have said many a time at a rent fair in my day. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't normally break glasses. Yeah, I yell it at the rent fair. Yeah, neither do I. You don't want to break your drinking horn. No, no one breaks the drinking horn. Mine's wood. Mine's a nice wood mug that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because apparently I'm about that life. I want to get one of those big, huge, like, drinking horns. But I don't want it to be, like, an actual... Like, I don't want an animal to have had to die to, like, give me this yeah. drinking horn. Like, so they can make it out of, like, plastic. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. That sanitizes well. Yeah, yeah. Something that I can put something in the Something I can dishwasher. put in the dishwasher. <laughs> yes, please. Let me get my medieval drinking horn so I can put that in the dishwasher. <laughs> but, yeah, it is it is such a great contrast at this dinner that they're all... Now, now instead of the severed heads of their enemies, it's mm-hmm. them who yeah. is beaten and broken and she realizing that she's got to do something to pull together or at least pull people like this is a she sees this as a key time where people are down and out and if they're gonna pick a side or sway in one direction she's got to pull them to her side she sees it as this open opportunity where they're literally broken and bloodied and so she gives this beautiful speech about i know you look a certain way but your hearts are still this strong russian Mm-hmm. you know, group of people that have gone through so much and you're strong and they really respond to it. They really they perk do. up. And 
now, again, she's in this fantastic move of, and now you like me. Yes. Now, you, you know, I, and, it, and it shows that her, she has Russia at heart. Yes. Up until now, maybe there hasn't been, for her it's been this way, for others maybe not, but she is truly into Russia and She shows Russia. that when she's like, she's making this commitment mm-hmm. to the people of this country that she is fucking serious about yep. it. Like, she is 100% serious yep. about it. No joke, she is, she is down for this. Yes. Very important at this point, because episode 10 rolls around, and, and it's time to start a coup. It's her birthday. Yes. Yeah, and so there, and so at this point, Peter is, is kind of feeling on Catherine. Like, yeah. He's like a kind of, you know, I, I He likes her, and feeling. I think he respects, like, yeah. or not respects, I think he's, like, fetishizing her grab-up power. Yeah, and so he watches as Leo gives her a gift, and they laugh initially because it looks like it's a peach, which is one of the first things that Leo gave her in there yes. um, in, when he was gifted to her. And so they're like, oh, it's a peach, ha, ha, ha. And what you find is that he's actually somehow removed the pit and put a ring in. Mm-hmm. So, like, as she eats it, she finds this beautiful ring, and she's, like, thrilled. And Peter is just like, eat shit. I don't like you Yeah, anymore. he's like, he gave her a fucking peach. Like, I don't see what the yeah. whole big deal and is. Yeah, then you see. And so he she he sees the reaction and immediately And he like, finds her this diamond. Oh, he finds her this and diamond. And he's like... Fun story, 42 people died Died. to have that diamond. (laughs) And she's like, oh. She's like, oh, okay. But then he makes... So dismissive of the, the and it's like yes. the size of a of a grapefruit. Yeah, it's like, huge. It's and he's just like, huge. so many people died. Isn't that amazing? Like, yeah. And she just literally puts it on the table. She's like, "Yep, that's great. Thanks, yeah. honey." Yeah. He brings in one of her favorite French writers, Voltaire. Voltaire comes in, yes. and she is just over the over the moon. moon. Yeah, she's that, and they have a great conversation. And Peter is just Peter is thrilled with himself for having this happen yeah whether it was this idea i don't think they ever say if he calls him not. he calls him volty volty yeah volty and i were having a chat so now she is struggling because she went into that breakfast she was going to probably slit his throat like yes you know kind of thing and instead here he shows up with voltaire as a gift she's blown away she definitely yeah she was not expecting no and now, so now she's got that. a little bit of a heart because he made a very considerate gift to her and really thought about her. At this point, too, so Aunt Elizabeth knows about the coup. Yeah, she's definitely feeling it. Yeah. Like, she's... she's, she's they haven't fully, up. like, confessed mm-hmm. to her yet that it's them. But Aunt Elizabeth also, at a certain point, kills a toddler. So there's yeah. that, too. It's very much like she knows that something's going on and kind of in the middle of this... I think it's, like, around the middle of this episode is when they actually tell her that she's going to kill Peter. Yeah. And Aunt Elizabeth is just like, you know, I know he's a fucking weasel, but don't kill him. Yeah, like, like, she's just, just basically yeah, is like, she basically, please don't kill him. Yeah, there's Catherine's kind of asking too many questions that are too... There's too much going on. Like, Aunt Elizabeth, for all of her quirky... Weirdness. Weirdness. Yeah. It's pretty in tune with what's going she on. She trains butterflies. She trains butterflies. Yes. She um, respects their willfulness. Yes. Um, but she trains the butterflies, and they fly around and flutter. And the reason that they find, the reason that this discussion actually happens is because Aunt Elizabeth has this idea that if they put, is it hay? Yes. So it's, it's hay. A, bear, a bustle of hay. A bustle of hay. And she has to piss on it. Yep. And if it, like, blooms. Like, very quickly. Like, immediately you're pregnant. Yes. And so she's been, so this whole time... Um, I think this was in the previous episode that she did it, and then it bloomed, it bloomed. in the next... And so yeah. now um, Elizabeth, again, is suspect, and is trying to, standing in the room, 
trying to get her to pee on it and like feeding her water. Like she's just chugging yes. it. And you can tell she needs to go and she just won't do it because she knows what's going to show. Right. Because in this fantasy world, this happens. This is how you determine if you're pregnant. You, yes. pee, on, you pee on hay yes. and it blooms immediately. And so she's kind of like, you know, did you have a hard time killing the toddler? Like, what was it like? Like, what, what you know, how did you feel? And that's when Elizabeth is like, all right, like, yeah. you're too, I'm, I'm actually brighter than I look. And yeah. you're maybe dumber than you look in some capacity. But she ends up peeing on it and we determine that she is pregnant now. And so now this, the concept that the coup is going to happen is basically out. Yeah. Um, things are moving. So the man who had his beard shaved through the help of Mariel mm-hmm. finds a secret door and goes in to basically assassinate. That's like, Mariel's lover too. It's like their lover. Yeah, yeah. And so they he charges in a room through a secret door and tries to kill Peter. Doesn't succeed. He gets killed himself. Right. At that point, we're we pretty much Peter's aware. Like things are rolling. Yeah. So Catherine decides she's going to do it herself. Yes. So she goes, she gives the go to Velamentov, like from the... the she No, well, she doesn't communicate it to him. She, she basically tries, is like, I'll send a signal. I'll send a signal. Yeah, she because she later to, says, like, why did you go? I never gave a signal. Yeah. And she goes to kill Peter, and he kind of grabs her and flips it around. So that's the pretty... It's the classic guy, you know, flips it around, classic, puts it nice to her so, throat. So here's the kind of the detail, like the context, because I, I like wrote it out. Good. So I put like, she struggles with how to read Peter because he's very much manipulated by those around him. At the end of the show, um, she thinks she has him in his, in her clutches. He, he uses a quote, you played a game on me. And she says, I love that you see that. And basically she's trying to convince him to abdicate the throne and allow her to ascend because like she has the military, she has the court, she has confidence of the people. And she even is trying to tell Peter like, you don't want this job anyways. You just want to drink and fuck and do whatever all day. Why don't you just let me ascend and you can abdicate and do all that shit all day. You'll be still happy. You'll still have everything that you want. And she actually says to him, you know, I'd be, you know, I can do this better. Yeah. You You know, know I I would be a better better ruler. Mm -hmm. And she's also, at this point she knows she's pregnant so she you know wraps him around her finger then he turns the tides he looks out the window where he has a bunch of guards around mm-hmm. peter because at this point around since leo. he's or, yeah around, yep, around yep. sorry around leo yep. at this point again like you said he's like kind of falling for her and now he's jealous of leo he writes this really strange <laughs> letter from leo where he's like he he writes it to make it look like it's from Leo and is like, I'm so sorry that my I'm so bad at oral sex yeah. and that like I I can't satisfy I can't you. Satisfy I have you. to leave in shame. Yeah. And like makes it look like Leo has left. Catherine knows better, obviously, that, you know, Peter is now using Leo as a as a chip. Um, yeah. So he looks outside, he sees Leo surrounded by these guards, and he turns the tables on Catherine. Because at first he's leading her on, making her think that like yeah, you know, I could abdicate. I could could, have a son. We could do this. Yeah, Yeah, our son, little Paul. Yeah. Yeah. He then proceeds to basically say, if you stage this coup, I will kill Leo. Mm -hmm. I will have him, or if you choose not to stage this coup, I will have him guarded at all times. And if you slip up even once, my guards will attack him like wolves. Mm -hmm. And that is where Catherine kind of draws the line. She is ready to give it away because she is she loves leo like she is very much passionately and uh, and honestly he deserves it like he is Mm -hmm. um, so good to her and he is an extraordinary man and 
at this point, you know, she is telling Peter, like, this is your child in my belly. And he even bends down and he's like, hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. And, you know, that's what he wants is his his child, is his heir. He even tells her at one point, he's like, you know, do you think that an heir will, or do you think that a child will keep me from killing you? Mm -hmm. And so she is broken and defeated, basically, and she's in this room where he, she sends a message with a messenger and you never see what the message fully says. It starts with like an S, like she scribbles it down and it says like, it almost looks like it it could either say like stop or like start. Yeah. She sends this message off. Then she's locked in the room and Mariel comes to her and is like, he's not fucking dead. What happened? And she's basically like, he was changing. I was convincing him and you know, I think it'll be okay, and, like, I don't think we have to kill him. She tells her, she tells Mariel about Leo, and Mariel, at this point, has also found out that Catherine has tried to have um, the Archbishop killed because he is in the way. Yes. Um, and he's not on their side. And, again, the Archbishop and Mariel are very close. So, mm-hmm. obviously, when the Archbishop is being almost murdered by Orlo... Um, he figures out what's going on. Yep. He figures out it's a coup and that they're involved in it. And he tells Mariel, if you tell Peter this, you will be a hero. Yep. Yeah, you'll get you'll get your former station restored. He'd yes. be willing to do that because you have you're the hero of this situation. I wrote Mariel gives up the goods. Yeah, she, she does <laughs> give up all the goods. And so there's this there's the scene where Peter is walking through the palace. People are just like attacking each other and killing each other. And he runs into Mariel and he says, well, what the fuck do you want? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I want to be a lady again. Mm -hmm. And she brings him and she shows him. They have this like board, (laughs) this like conspiracy theory. Uh, It reminds me of the maps that you pulled down. Like there's a map. There's there's like your social studies class. And then you pull it up and it reveals like everything behind it. Yes. She's got this whole like map behind like a tapestry. Yeah. In her room. And yeah. she shows that to Peter, and he's just like, what the fuck? So if there's one thing we've learned, don't write down your coup. Yeah, don't write down your coup. Just stage it. Just stage it. Or, like, you yeah. know, burner phones that you... Burner phones yeah. are great. Burner parchment, maybe, at this yeah. time. Something that didn't put it down. And I and that's pretty much when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine runs into Voltaire. Catherine gets herself out of the room. Yep. Flood out. And then at this point, she's basically just about to like burn all her plans to the ground. And this is somebody that she's respected. Like she loves his writing. She sees him. He's an optimist in his writing, yeah. but he actually says at one point he's like, you know, she says you you turn out to be a darker person than I thought. And he's like, well, why would I seek enlightenment if I didn't think that we were all flailing around in the dark? Mm-hmm. She tells him like Leo is her heart and like her great love. And he says, what is a man but two legs and a cock? Then she's like, you know, Leo's my great love. Like, this is, he is all I want. Mm -hmm. And then he just basically turns it around on her and he says, like, fuck Russia. Russia's a a depraved shithole. And then she just says, like, I am Russian in my heart. And he goes with, like, this heart is it the same one with the boy in it. Mm -hmm. She basically is convinced at that point, like, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I could be powerful. I could rule. And I have to make a sacrifice. Like, I have to give something up. As long as I have a weakness, yes. that is Leo. There's there's power to be had over me. Yes. 
And so she goes to see him, and he's off in the woods. He's being guarded. Like, she kisses him, and she says, you know, how much she loves him. Like, it's a, such a heart-wrenching scene. Like, it honestly it makes me cry when I see it. because she asked him to haunt her. Yes. And, like, so even before that, he, she's pausing, and she's basically made the decision. Mm-hmm. And he knows. He sees he, he it. He sees it. He even says something like, you know, I didn't... I, I didn't think that this is how things would end up, but yeah. he's like, but you can tell he is so supportive of her to the point where he understands that if he has to die for this to happen, he is okay with that. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, think hard about what you will say next. And don't if you don't say it, we can just stand here happily forever. The next thing that she says, which I think like it's, it's they take a moment. And you think that, oh, like, that's going to be the beautiful line that they end on. But no, Mm -hmm. then she does say something. Like, she says, I can change the world. I know it. And I think that's her basically saying, like, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. And as much as I want to stand here in this moment forever, I don't want to give up on Russia. I Mm -hmm. don't want to allow this to continue. Mm -hmm. And then he says, my fate was always you. Yours always Russia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when... That's when she asks him. She's like, like, you better fucking you haunt, haunt me. me. She doesn't actually ever like apologize to him. She knows what's about to happen to him. He knows what's about to happen to him. She never says, I'm so sorry this is going mm-hmm. to happen to you. She never apologizes. And I think that's like the key attribute into how confident she is in her love for him and how confident that she is not the kind of woman to like apologize for anything. Mm-hmm. He is such a stark contrast for for Peter and it's so confirmed that like his love from her is deserved because of his commitment to her and to her cause mm-hmm. and like it's just it's so beautiful it's so sad like I cry every yeah. time I watch it because I'm just like oh my fucking god they love each other so fucking much <laughs> again the cinematography the direction of this show is amazing like when she's leaving him she's just walking away and the pained look on her face it reminds me of what it looks like when a woman is giving birth hmm. like she just looks like she is in agony hmm. The way that she's walking, she's stumbling. Like she could, she just looks like she's gonna fall any second. That she's just going to let the world just swallow her up. So you don't actually see her running until the scene cuts and she's back in the palace and she's running at that point. She sees Velamentov on the stairs Mm -hmm. and he turns to her because he's told her already, like, just look at these people. Mm -hmm. Look at what these people are willing to do, what they're willing to to fight for, for you. You've won these people. And she looks at him and she just nods her head and he begins. He pulls out his gun and just shoots. Takes a shot to the ceiling. And yes. that is the start of the like official coup and the series ends. Yes. It was such a powerful episode. And like the whole series itself is very powerful. And and Catherine in the show is portrayed in such a way that it's like they they made it so grounded and so down to earth and relatable for like anyone to really mm-hmm. look at her and say well, fuck, I felt that way before. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been in situations like that before. I've had to make those hard decisions. And it is, I, it's just, it's a very beautifully crafted show. And she's a beautifully crafted character. Elle Fanning gets so much credit just Oh, for yeah, and can we, ability. and what the other thing that I thought was, um, can we talk about clothes? 
Oh God, the the wardrobe. So the wardrobe Ugh. is amazing. But what I thought was super interesting is one of the things that you notice in the first is that everyone's wearing the hair pieces, the yes. fake hair, and in Russia they're actually wearing them like hats. Yes, they're not actually. So their their real yes. hair is visible, and then they have like this fake hair on top of it. Yes, that and she's kind of like that's not how that. Yeah. Goes. Yeah. But she doesn't actually really like push it. Also, you never see her in any sort of wig or yes. cover. So it's always you know everyone else is in a wig. Peter's in a wig. A lot of other people are in a wig. She is not. Yes. Um, one of my favorite parts about this is that there are many scenes during like daily activities kind of stuff when she's just like trooping around the castle and working on her coup where she's actually in like a full skirt, but then it looks like she's in a men's button down shirt. Yeah. It's very open, but it's not. It's like draped. Like, yeah. It's like yeah. draped kind of thing, but it's definitely like a button down style shirt. Like to me, she it's looks very like much... a woman, woman going to work. Yeah. And I loved that they didn't put her in skin tight corsets the rest the court wears the corsets and the laces and the you know the full skirts and 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 that all thing but you there are multiple scenes where you get to see Catherine in this male inspired shirt it's very much like a joe march like from little women yes that's exactly it it's she looks like she is a woman on a mission, and I love that they didn't put her in constant frills. She, yes. like it was like it, there's something about it that came very like. Well, there is a contrast too because like yeah. the 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 final episode, she's wearing this vibrant, yes, pink vibrant dress. pink, and you you see her pretty muted throughout yeah. the rest. Like everyone else will wear these dark colors, and she'll be in like this very soft pink, yeah, this very soft blue. And at first, I thought it was purely because of Al Fanning's coloring. Yeah. Because she's very pale, and so it looked nice on her, but you're right. All of a sudden, she comes out in this bright fuchsia of power, and I, I think that they did a great job of playing this, you know, this feminist role of, yes. I'm not going to get dressed up in corsets and stuff every day. Today, I'm going to go to the library, read, meet some people for my coup. Yeah. Um, you know, go have sex with my lover yeah. and have a brunch, brunch coup, coup, sex, sex with lover. Yeah. Nap, nap, bath, sex with husband, sex with husband, then bath, bath, then dinner, then dinner, and then killing a toddler somewhere in there. Somewhere, in like there. we'll get to it. Yeah, maybe, we'll maybe. Yeah, that's, that's why I only think her days. So that's why she's got to wear. She can't wear a corset through this. Right. She has got stuff to do. Yes. And she does. so I thought they did a fabulous job of taking the. I don't want to say taking the femininity out of her, but not making her this like fragile flower from the start. No. Yeah. It's it's like that quote that you see on Instagram and and Pinterest and stuff all the time. Not fragile like a flower. Fragile like a bomb. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there is. Something so interesting to me about the marriage of like femininity to a, a stark, hard female character. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see these badass women kicking ass mm-hmm. in their frills. Like, yeah. I want to see them wearing, you know, fucking extravagant gowns and and being Catwoman at the same. Like, put Catwoman in a ball gown. Yeah, like let's do that for the next. That's some fucked that up interpretation even, like, of it. On, from my personal level, like I. In learning that my femininity is not being a feminist and you know believing in equality and things like that does not mean that I can't be feminine. Right, and that is something that I've always shoved aside. Well, this is, it's this something that we've been, been taught to shove yeah. aside. And this is actually um, in my last um, therapy session. It was, I think you're great. You're doing great, honey. I want to see some cleavage, and that's how it ended. And she was like, "So my job, <laughs> my duty for the next that two week period is to show some cleavage." And you're in a sweater to, today. I know. <laughs> She's like in a sweater with like a little. I'm like covered from. It's a. I like. 
like it. Is that from Oregon? Yeah. yeah. I I, um, I bought this when I was out there with my husband I really and do your like boyfriend. That. That's cute. Um, but like, yeah, there's. I, I'm up to my neck. Color. Yeah, it's. But it, I, it's something that we don't see. Is that you can kick ass in a dress, in full makeup, in full hair. Like you can look good and do badass things. And it's something that over time has been like people go back and forth on on the trope all the time of like you know. If you're going to be a badass woman, you have to be a punk and like you have to have yes. the dark hair and you yes. no makeup. No makeup is feminist. Yeah. Like burn the bras. Yeah. Like no, I fucking like my bra. I like my, my bra. bras are cute. Yeah. You know, and I wear I buy lingerie and I wear lingerie to look good for me. Like, yeah. you know, it's nice to have somebody else appreciate it, but like I like looking good for me. And so, and I also have my own kind of interpretation of what I think looks good on me. Right. So it's like to look good and to feel good, why is that something that we have to shove to the side when we're trying to fuck the patriarchy over? Like, it's something that I am always going to be interested in and fascinated by because it's something that's gone back and forth so many times where it's like, yes, you can be, you know, girly and pretty and also super powerful. And then, no, you can't be. And then, you know, it's like... But you can because you can be anything you want. Like, you remember the Power Rangers, right? Of course. I can't ask that question, actually. Like, no one should ever ask the question, yes. do, you do you remember the Power, the Power Rangers? Rangers? So my sister and I, whenever we would play Power Rangers, my sister would always get to be the pink Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. And... I would always be stuck, not stuck, because Trini was amazing. Yep. I would always be the Yellow Ranger. Mm-hmm. In a sense, like, it almost constructed kind of how we viewed ourselves as sisters, because I was the smart one, and then mm-hmm. she, like, I always used to say, not now, because I mean, look at my sister, but... I've never seen your sister, so... Just good, good. <laughs> Sorry, Maggie. Love you. But when I was younger, like we always used to say, I got the brains and she got the beauty. Gotcha. I think that 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 divorcement of brains from beauty, like, is something that's so ingrained in my generation. Like, I don't know if it was really with your generation, but like my generation, it was like you can be pretty or you can be strong. That's a hundred percent. It was for me too. That's always something I've hung my hat on is I've never been the prettiest girl in the room. I might be the smartest. Yeah. I might be. I've always hung my hat on the, well, at least I'm smart. And I knew that, and that's kind of what I grabbed onto. That that I could confirm, that, like, did something for me. Like, at the end of the day, I was smart, and people knew that, and that was, like, my thing. You know, I didn't have the best eyeshadow. I didn't have the cutest jeans. But, yeah, I got the top score in science. And, you know... I just recently posted on my personal Instagram, but like a quote from, so have you seen The Magicians? Yes. You know, Margot. Yes. So have you seen all of it? No. Okay. Which, how far have you seen? I'll be honest, I don't remember. That's I fine. don't know what's happened. We should what's re- come out. Yeah. We should rewatch it because honestly, like it's I honestly can't remember like what's come out since, so I couldn't give you a good idea. It's fine. But basically, like there's a quote from Margot in the magicians who, trust me, we will cover her eventually. Mm-hmm. Um where she's talking about her father and she says he was the one who told me I could be anything and I believed him and El or not Elliot. Yes, it is Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. Elliot tells her, but he didn't tell you that the world makes you choose. You can be one of the smart ones or one of the pretty ones or even a strong one, but try to be all three better learn to smile and shut up because the second you're you, the second you're out loud, pissed off, it's what a bitch, what a slut, who does she think she is? Mm-hmm. And like that to me, it just resonates so much because 
when you combine all three, it's like, oh, no, 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 sit down. Yeah. Sorry, you, you wanted equality. You didn't want to be better than us, like, yeah. from the men. Yeah. And it's like, no, we don't want to be better than I you. I don't want to be better. I do want to be equal, but I have to fight so much harder to get there. Like, right. And on top of that, like, you tell me that I have to be pretty mm-hmm. or you're not going to look at me to pay attention to me. But then if I'm pretty, when you do pay attention to me, all you think is bimbo. Yeah. And then if I actually start to be pretty and smart and say intelligent things that you agree with, it's like you're fucking paralyzed because yeah. you don't know you what, don't to, what do. to do. You don't know how to you react don't know how to, to handle that. it. You don't know how to deal with it. And I, I have to give credit to like our generation because a lot of us grew up with those values and, and we're all sort of having the mirror and the glass on that shattered mm-hmm. where we're all starting to see like, okay, that is absolutely not the case. And we've been lied to our whole fucking lives mm-hmm. about what a smart, intelligent woman is. And clearly we have to exist because you keep fucking casting supermodels as the smart girls yep. who all they need to do is take down their hair and put some, take their glasses off and then they're automatically hot. Yeah. Like, that to me was always such a contrast to it because I always thought, well, like if I'm the smart one and she got the beauty, like why are all these other beautiful women in movies the smart ones or the cool ones? Or yep. the, you know, like why are why are they supermodels and I'm not? So I, I just think it's a trope that like this show does a very good job of deconstructing that yeah. and basically saying like, okay, obviously, yes, all the people on the show look like fucking supermodels. Of course they do. That's never going to be something that it's we're going to get to. never going to change. Hollywood yeah. is just... Hollywood is like attractive people. You're it's a it's an I guess I now I'm from working and doing a podcast, I guess I kind of understand because like you kind of have to have an attractive voice to be on a podcast. Like I'm not saying that there's somebody like diddling themselves listening to us talk. But like <laughs> I I mean yeah. I know you do. There's there is a there is a certain um tone quality that you have to have in you have order to, to yeah, speak. have like presenter voice. Yes. But like it, so that's an that's a vi- an audio medium, but in a visual medium, like you want to have people that are good to look at, right? And uh, you know, I get which I, is why all our promos are pictures of our feet. Yes, <laughs> I'm just kidding. hundred percent. Just kidding. I wish. Actually, that I might make our feet like the <laughs> the episode like we can be on Wiki Feet. The, Wiki Feet. We can be yes. On Wiki feet. Wiki yes. Feet. But you know, it to me, it's again, it's just going back to how the show like kind of deconstructs that trope and and makes makes it okay to see these women in these bright, beautiful, vibrant colors. And then, because arguably Catherine is her most powerful in that last episode. Absolutely. She makes the hardest decisions and she comes out, she's like a sword unsheathing. Like she is coming out in excellence and perfection. And at the end, this beautiful pink dress that she's wearing, it's almost Mm -hmm. torn to shreds. Yep. And like, that was to me like she's, Okay, now she's breaking out of the shell and, and coming yeah. out of it. And it was beautiful. But it was amazing. All right. I think we've about wrapped up for Catherine. Any so. final thoughts? I think No, if you haven't seen the show, I would highly recommend it. Yes. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks to our Patreon subscribers, yes, members. 100%. But thank you guys again so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate it. If you can share the podcast to your friends and family, the ones that are able to listen because age appropriate. <laughs> but yeah. um, if you want to share, that would be excellent. Thanks so much for listening. And we hope you have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.